Hey, this is your brother, your son, your friend in the Lord, Kirby. And I just want to say, I'm back. <laughs> it's been a while since I had a podcast episode released. And to be completely transparent, this episode will be a very vulnerable one. It will be speaking on rebuilding your fire. Stay tuned. I love you. Hey, let's begin with prayer. Father, you're so holy and you're so good. You give us chances that we don't deserve because you love us in a way that we don't deserve. Help us to acknowledge that today as each listener is taking steps on rebuilding their fire, some on maintaining their fire, and others may be starting their fire. I pray in Jesus' name, guide us, Lord, and ignite that passion, that hunger for the things of God. Again, in Jesus' name, amen. Rebuilding your fire. Let's start in the word of God. Turn with me. to the book of Revelations. And we're going to go to chapter three. And as we go to chapter three, we're going to start at verse one. And the word of God reads, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. Now the word of God reads, this church in Sardis has a reputation and the reputation that they have amongst the other churches in Asia is an, a living reputation. Um, let me speak plainly. Essentially, this church is known for being lively, for being a living church, an anointed church, a church that everyone wants to go to. 
it has a reputation. Some people will call um, churches like this in the United States. They will call them mega churches now. And some people say that in a negative way. But let's just say let's just say this church has a reputation of, hey, guys, we really have the fire of God. We really have the Holy Spirit. But yet. The Lord Jesus, he sees a whole different truth. Or not even a whole different truth. He sees the truth. He says that you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. That's verse, verse number one. He says, I know your works. You have th that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. He's saying, listen, yeah, you started out good, but the essential parts of why you started this ministry has died. And the other parts are being or are nearing death. They're ready to die. Strengthen those parts so they don't fully die like the others. And then right after, he gave a gleam of hope. He said, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. That means remember what you've received at first, the words of God, the rhema, the logos. Remember the doctrines that you've held on to. Remember the teachings. Remember the experiences. Remember the trials, the tribulations, the things that you have been through. Remember the times that guest preachers came over and gave a message that really convicted everyone's heart and everyone really got on the rocker and they really did their good, you know, their, their good effort. Remember that. Remember the notes that everyone was writing in their notepads. But no one ever looked back on and actually read the, the sermons that they wrote down about. They wrote it down because since a habit, not to actually read it sometimes. I know because I also am guilty of that. So I'm going to be transparent, guys. As transparent as I guess you could say is okay. For the past few weeks, maybe month, I've been struggling. Not necessarily entirely in my entirety of Christian walk, but distracted. And because I was distracted, I, I was starting a whole bunch of new things. And I still am. I lost sight of the most important thing because it wasn't a new thing. It was my relationship with the Lord. And it seemed like it lost, at some point, it lost its new car smell. Meaning it, it, it seemed like I got familiar and I didn't become as consistent. When I mean consistent, I mean in uh, the fervency of Bible reading. Not Bible reading itself, because you can say you read the Bible every day. But if we measure the way you read the Bible let's say three months ago versus now, is it really the same? Although you read it every day? Because sometimes we read, you know, six chapters. Sometimes you read three. Sometimes you read one. Sometimes we go for hours. Sometimes we go for minutes. So just saying you read the Bible, it's, it's not a to-do list. It's not measured that way. You don't read the Bible as a to-do list. You read it the same way you eat food. 
you don't eat one small portion of food today and then a large portion tomorrow and then say, you know what, tomorrow I'm just going to not. Like, there has to be a time where we're consistent. And that's what I didn't have. And in fact, it caused me to end up stumbling, even almost falling. And I just want to say this, I made a mistake. And I do genuinely regret it, but I fell into a sin of sexual immorality. And the thing, the thing is, when I did, I, for one, I wasn't surprised because I realized immediately the reason I fell was my fault. The reason I couldn't resist and say no. And the truth be told, I understand and I've been feeling the shame and guilt of it. I understand how it feels to be in the position of David where you're writing Psalms 51 because I read it multiple times. And I repented and the Lord forgave me. But yet still, I found myself rebuilding my fire. And because of that journey, I believe the Lord has given me this chance to re-enter into the podcast and release this message for someone. It may not be for everyone, but there's someone who you felt you've been in the situation or you've fell into an addiction or your Christian walk from January to now hasn't been on an upward hill. It's, it's mostly been a decline. When you feel like your fire went down and you don't feel like you're yourself, you feel like a husky yourself. Um, there's some people out there that when it comes to praying, they're bewildered. They feel unworthy. They have flashbacks of past activities. They don't think clearly about God. And as much as they want to say they love God, as much as they said it in the past, right now they just can't find their way to feel it. They don't know if they love God. They don't know if God truly loves them there's some people who are probably going to hear this and you've had guilt for so long you knew you were a prayer warrior you knew you were a servant of god i'm not talking to people who are just unbelievers this message is more so a clarion call for revival it's more so a call for the believers let me whisper it to you just so you as a believer can hear wake up That was for your spirit. The Bible says if we return to God, he heals, of us, he heals us of our backsliding. But the biggest tactic that the enemy has is the tactical advantage that we, we, we would think he would have is that the enemy, he knows the character of God in the sense of he used to work for him. The enemy knows that when God says something, God means it. So if the enemy can just keep you away from what God says or make you doubt that God means it, he knows that he's already had the upper hand. Glory to God that even for those of us who've been in those positions, the Lord in his mercy still found a way through to sneak in or smuggle in 
our hearts and just show us the truth in the midst or like they, like David said in the multitude of my anxious thoughts for some of us it's like that where God sent a word or he sent a person or he or, or there's a preacher that just preached the sermon and you think it's directly for you and all these other things where in the multitude of all your thoughts that the enemy sent the fiery darts that the Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 God was able to come in and say hey I'm here and I still am I'm giving you a chance and you can still come back. The righteous fall seven times and get back up again. Notice I didn't call you a sinner saved by grace. Notice I called you righteous. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. The righteous fall seven times and get back up again. Meaning when you fall, God doesn't see you by a different identity because you fell. Get back up. So how do we build or rebuild our fire? The first way to rebuild our fire is to address the situation that put it out. Whatever is quenching your fire, address it. And how can you address it? First word, repentance. A sincere turning away, turning your back on the world and on sin, getting away from the things of the flesh again and actually returning to walking in the spirit. Don't worry, I'm going to address certain things because I know it's not easy. Many times we try just as I have and you feel there's more attacks or you feel the attacks are not necessarily just attacks like normal spiritual warfare. It's like an attack of shame, an attack of guilt and just something to try to keep you away from doing the thing you know you should do, which is just going back to God. Imagine the thoughts that the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 had. After he, he's abandoned his dad, took all the inheritance that he, belonged to him, spent it on frivolous lifestyles, on prodigal living, wasted it, ended up in a pigsty, and then he's thinking, wow, I should go back to my dad. Imagine all the anxious thoughts the enemy possibly could have attacked him with. Your dad wouldn't have accepted you. You've already spent all his money. You won't have another inheritance. Why would you go back to him? Go back to your friends. You're already in the big city. Look how far you've traveled to be here. And you're going to just go back to square one? Your dad won't accept you. In fact, your big brother would probably treat you hurtfully, harmfully. But yet, in the midst of his anxious thoughts, the prodigal son went. He still went. And I think that's so important. That's so pivotal for us to know. When we repent, we need to know that God is first willing to forgive us. Why? Why does God show that he's willing to forgive us? And how does he show it? Why does he show he's willing to forgive us? Because his son, Jesus, came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a life for 33 years, a really sad life. The Bible calls him a man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And then he dies on the cross, being killed and rejected by his own people. Although he was the one who sacrificed and gave up his own life, he didn't have to die. He was an innocent man, never committed a sin in his 33-year life. Not to mention that he's literally the son of God. And then 
he resurrects and then he ascends to the Father and he makes a promise to us that he'll be back. Confirmed by the angels who said the same way he went up is the same way he'll come down. And that's why God would forgive you. And if you want even more proof than that, it's his word. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. In the book of Chronicles, that's the Old Testament, God told his people, he said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Do you want me to slow that down? I'll say it again. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. God will hear you. So that defeats the thought that God is ignoring you. God will forgive you. So that defeats the thought that you're condemned. And God will heal your land. So that defeats the thought that God will punish you for the rest of your life, even after he's forgiven you. God is a restorer. Remember even Job. Job's own children died. They were killed. They passed away. Job's own wife left him. Many things happened to Job. But when God restored, he literally gave Job double of everything that he had. That's the restoration of God. So that brings me to my second point. After you repent, if you really want to rebuild your fire, you will have to pray. And I mean pray. Many people don't like the word warfare. They don't like the word spiritual warfare. They don't like the word waging warfare. But the Bible speaks about that in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Continue to verse 17, right? Let's actually go there. And I'll read it for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Thank you, Father. I just flipped the Bible and it's, it's already here. At Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is amazing. Do you want to continue? We're going to go to verse 20. I'm at verse 18. 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If we backtrack a little bit, and if we go to verse number 12, the Bible says we wage our warfare not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So when you've lost your fire, there's a parable that Jesus said. Jesus said, while men slept, the enemy has come in and sowed tares. So you have probably noticed some of these tears. They look like wheat at first, but when they grow, you know it's not wheat. Meaning, it's sometimes in this, I want to use this interpretation of it. Sometimes there's some things that you do. If we use internal, uh, internal in introspection, there's some things you do that it looks like it's something you normally do or it's something you normally feel. And then later on, you're like, this isn't me. When you lost your fire, you tried to get it back, but then you realize there's some things inside of you that it wasn't there before. It wasn't there a month ago, two months ago. Depression, sadness. Yeah, you, you probably are nodding your head or like agreeing with me internally because you hear that. And I want to tell you something. It's not you necessarily, but it's the open door that came. And our job after we repent is to dethrone or to kick out any of the enemy's tactics, or we can just use the parable term, any of his tears that he has sown into the soil of our heart. Tell the devil to take back his sadness. Tell the devil to take back his sluggishness. Some of us, we feel tired all the time, lazy, a spirit of heaviness. Uh-oh, you feel that definitely. Don't worry. I'll give you a key. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. So, we tell the devil to get out of here. He's no longer welcome. Party's over. Everyone else, go home. It's only Jesus and me in this house. Because the enemy, although... Uh, there's a debate going on. Can Christians be possessed? Can Christians not be possessed? That's not what I'm here to argue. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Whether internal or external, the enemy, he tries to find open doors to attack. And the Bible lets us know, give no room to the devil. So if you find yourself losing your fire, and you can say, Kirby, honestly, I feel like I have gave room to the devil, and I don't know where to start. Don't worry, that's why I'm telling you this. That's why I'm here. This is why the Lord sent me. Or I believe he sent me to this. I, I, I can only truly know for sure based on the fruit. The first step is repent. Take a sincere step of repenting. Burn the bridges. Meaning if you used to watch pornography, put a porn blocker on. Delete it from your history. Make it inaccessible to you. Even if you have to get away from your phone entirely. Fast and pray if you have to, to get your mind clear from the effects of porn, but truly repent. 
for sexual immorality, fast. Ask the Lord to remove evil memory recall. Pray for yourself. Pray for the person that you did it with. Pray for you both. Because many times the enemy likes to slip in and sow things and just try to ruin things that God wants to make beautiful. But pray sincerely. And then after you repent, truly take steps in prayer to close every open door to the enemy. I want to ask this or, or, or mention this point and name it restoration. The first step is repentance. The second step is restoration. Where after a party, what do you do? You pick up the cups or plates or all the mess that the guests left. In the same way, after you repent, pick up the cups and plates that sin left. And the way that you truly can do that is by spending time in the presence of God. Because what sin likes to do is like, it likes to make the glory of God on your life wane a little bit. But the Lord, he promised in his word that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. And I want to take it in this aspect. The people of Israel, there was times where they messed up and the glory of God left the temple. The temple didn't have the tangible presence of God. But after repentance, they ended up seeing the glory of God return. Albeit in that time frame, they were committing sacrifices and things of that nature, like animal sacrifices, but it was just a step of their repentance and reconciliation. So to restore the temple in your life, to restore the fire in your life, don't just repent, pray for restoration. Ask the Lord to reveal to you any way the enemy slipped in. Cast out anything that shouldn't be there. If you're having bad dreams, near success syndrome, sleep paralysis, delay anything. Put a stop to it through prayer. Take your authority and stop it. And if you need help, get into Christian groups. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Confess your sins to God. Yes, you'll be forgiven. But the scripture tells us in the book of James that if you confess your sins to one another, you'll be healed. So at times getting help is very helpful. I want to really give a big shout out to my brother in Christ, Pierre. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my sister in Christ, Bianca. Uh, I, I really want to give a big shout out to every brother and sister who truly did uphold me when I came to them at my point of weakness. And they were the ones praying for me amongst many other, a plethora of others. Brother Noah Hines, um, Sister Annette, uh, there's so many others. But restoration is important. And sometimes this part, it takes a little bit of help in prayer. That's why we needed each other. Go to your leadership, speak to your leadership. Sometimes it's hard, but ask for prayer. And after, recon after uh, restoration, I want the final point to be reconciliation. Reconciling with God and reconciling with people. If you've lost your fire, more than likely it's affected the way that you do ministry. It's affected the normal Christian habits that you would have had before, whether it be Bible studies, prayer groups, things of that nature. Reconcile to the things that God told you to do before. That's also, you can say, considered a part of restoration because it's a restoration of re uh, relationship or reconciliation. 
go back to your prayer closet. Start reading your Bible again. After Noah's, after the flood of Noah, when Noah left the ark, he was instructed to start planting. He planted a vineyard. So he started restoring the land. Glory to God with God's help. But the biggest thing that I want really to emphasize now is not just restoring the land, but reconciliation with God, having a fellowship and intimacy with God. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. So the way that you keep your fire burning is through the word of God hidden in your heart. If the word of God isn't hidden in your heart, then that's a question because your heart is soil. And anytime someone plants a seed, it has to be hidden in the soil so that it's not stolen. So if the word of God isn't hidden in your heart, is it even there? Yes, you would say. But the way that you know if the word of God is in your heart isn't when you're going through good times. It's when you're going through trials. So start reading your Bible again. Reconcile with those old patterns that God implemented in your life that he didn't yet tell you to quit. Ask the Lord for to renew your patterns, to, to ask the Lord to give you new ones. But it's a part of reconciliation. And when you see that fire burning, trust the Lord to guard it for you. Protect it with your discipline, but also protect it with your faith. Your faith in God's ability to keep you from stumbling. I love you, and I want to wish you Godspeed on your journey to rebuild your fire. We're going to end in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I magnify your name. Your name is holy. You're righteous. And I thank you, Father, that you're restoring a sense of the fear of the Lord in people. A, a reverence, meaning a respect for the things of God. But not only a fear of the Lord, the fire of God that burns in our hearts. Kindle the fire again in people's hearts. Rekindle the fire. Lord, your word says that a smoking flax you won't put out. I ask right now, anyone whose heart is like a broken branch or a smoking flax, mend their hearts, fix it, Father. Help them to see the light of the day. As your word says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, the path of the just is like the shining light, growing brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. It's like the shining sun, Lord. Restore them onto that path, that path of righteousness, that highway of holiness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. And I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And Jesus loves you.